Well, welcome to this week's talk, and uh, we are in the fifth week of a series on Thessalonians. We're walking through some major themes in the books of First and Second Thessalonians. Let me remind you before we jump in, uh, this is the first book in, uh, it, that is written by the Apostle Paul. And so he's writing it after he fled this area. He was just with them for weeks in Thessalonica, started a church, trained them up as quick as possible in all of the, the ways that he had discovered of the Lord. And, and then he's chased out by those who are prosecuting him. He's going from city to city. People are chasing him, trying to kill him and stop him from proclaiming the gospel. Yet he writes First Thessalonians. And then a, a, a few years later, he follows it up with Second Thessalonians, and our passages today are or our main passages out of Second Thessalonians one eleven and twelve. And and I read it as we started worship, but I want to read it again. And and this is just uh, to me one of those simple verses that says so clearly what we're supposed to be on mission and all about in our life. It says this: with this in mind. We constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of His calling and that by His power He may fill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our life is to be an avenue that would, that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified through. He wants to be glorified in each of you, like his story being made known through you. It's a powerful consideration and so descriptive. It really gives us four things that we should be, if you would. And uh, those are what we're going to hone in on today. The first one is we need to be mindful. Mindful. We need to be mindful. Are you mindful of the mission you are on in your daily life? Mindful. I think we hear words like calling and, and mission and even purpose and we believe that they're reserved for this, like, grandiose vision or grandiose lifestyle, if you would. We think that they are reserved for somebody who is uh, going to live a, a supernatural life, like beyond um, you or I just living normally. But what if God wants us to live our everyday aspects of life truly mindful of normality's potential? What if it's the normal things in life that we can do with the mindfulness of our purpose and mission in Christ? What if it's the normal, everyday, ordinary moments that would give God the most glory? Like we think, yeah, I got I to gotta be on mission. I got to be focused. I have to be like totally in it with Jesus if I go on a missions trip 
Or, yeah, I need to be totally on mission if I'm serving this Sunday. Or, I have to be totally on mission if, I don't know, on an outreach trip or doing something in community with the church's name on it or something. But no, 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 no. What about our everyday normal moments? Do you sense the purpose in what you do for a living? Like, how might you live differently if you recognized your work as mission? What might be different? It's interesting to consider, isn't it? What might be different if you recognized where you live as your mission? What might look different if you realized it's your role to fan into flame the gifts and passions of your kids so that they can lead other students into a growing relationship with Jesus? What if you saw your presence in this city as being on mission? It truly is, isn't it? I mean, when I'm praying with my kids at night, I thank God for our city. And they, in turn, recognize that. And they have a passion for the city as well. What if you realize that the common tasks can become some of the most missional moments? If you saw your barista as like an opportunity, a relationship. It's not a waiter. It's a relationship. It's a potential connection, a person to be served, a person to share life with. What if uh, you didn't just go into a store and, and see a manager or an owner, but you saw a potential blessing that, or potential partner in mission? What if you didn't see that neighbor? I don't know if your neighborhood has one of these. Our neighborhood has a Facebook-like group, and sometimes I'm bothered by the blame that is pushed on teenagers for anything loud or bad that explodes at, say, 1 a.m. in the morning. But anyway, you know, just, you know, just the, the, like, those teenagers. Well, what if it's not a teenager? What if it's just, like, a young adult with some extra cash that wants to, like, blow things up? Anyway, so I just look at this, and I go, oh, man, you know what? Uh, there is potential in viewing teenagers differently, as viewing a teenager in our neighborhood as the future, which they are. They're not just the future. They're the present, right? And their potential. They're just a waiting influence. What if we would see our role as to be a positive influence on the young people around us? When you're mindful of the potential of opportunity, then the name of the Lord Jesus will be glorified in you. In the fast-paced world we, we live in, we are often more mindful of what is coming next, like in our future. We're always looking forward to next. We're always looking forward to tomorrow. We're always looking forward to when it's not so hot, or then we're focused on when it's not so cold, and then we're focused on when it's not so cloudy or when it's not so sunny. Isn't it funny how we do that? Summer hasn't arrived, and then summer arrives. It's too hot. Come on, really? Oh, we haven't had any snow this year. Oh, there's too much snow. You know, I'm just like, you know, can we just enjoy the present? Can we just be genuine enough to, to enjoy the now, if you will? 
We must be mindful of both the present and the future. To be mindful, you know, is to, to, to think of all of our contexts, always have them in mind. One of the realities of mindfulness is we are genuinely present with the now while mindful of the future, right? And uh, Hebrews 13, 8 says that, that Jesus did that. I and mean, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So yesterday, today, He's present and forever. I remember uh, one of the first leadership, church leadership training things that I got to go to, and it was with uh, this leadership guru dude named John Maxwell. Anybody ever read a John Maxwell book or a quote or anything? John Maxwell's like the man when it comes to leadership. And, uh, and it's, it's interesting to me because he, he uh, was, was going off on Jesus and how as a pastor he learned to take on one of the traits of Jesus early on, and that was the trait of walking slowly through the crowd. He just said, walk slowly through the crowd. And, and it stuck with me to, to just realize I need to not be always hurried. And it, it's easy um, as somebody who's got somewhere to go when we're thinking of what's next to just kind of, you know, we're blinders. It's next. I went to UW. Like my next class, I had like three minutes to go two miles to walk across campus. I learned how to walk fast, right, when I went to college. So it was, that's all I, no, I learned some other things. Anyway, I, you know, just like I learned how to walk fast. And I, sometimes that pace just continues through life and, and we're, but we miss the present. Can we be mindful of what's next and the present? How would that change us? We generally suck at that. Honestly, we're just not that good at slowing down and, and, and pausing. We often rob our potential in today because we're focused on someday. And uh, so I wanted to remind you, some of you were around when we did the series, pause. I challenged everybody for the next week, don't use the phrase, busy. When somebody says, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm busy, right? As if that's a positive status, you know? In other words, I don't take time, you know? I'm, just, I'm, I'm busy. You hear it. Now it's going to bother you this week. I'll just throw that back out again because it bothered us for a week, right? And it was one of the most funny things to not say, I'm busy. But that comes back to the same issue. If we want to, to take the most, if we want to be mindful of what God can do today, then we have to not just think about someday in our life. We need to pause and consider where we are, who's around us, what relationship has God got for us to enjoy today. We need our purposes. Those deposited in us from God Himself, it says here in this passage, by His power, His fulfillment, to be mindful today in the now so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. Second, we need to be prayerful. So we need to be mindful and we need to be prayerful. I believe being mindful is possible but lacks depth and fulfillment without prayer. Right? You can be mindful and in the now without prayer. People are great at it. But when you add the element of prayer, there's 
a powerful energy that happens, and it's the power of God, obviously, as indicated in the Scripture that happens. You're, you're prayerful for today, and then you're in the moment of today, and when you see those prayers come true, they make you more prayerful, and so you're more mindful and more prayerful and more mindful, and it continues this, this energy. There are both forces for good helping you move forward. Yesterday, I was washing our cars out in front of the house, and Dana was trying to teach Jaden, uh, our five-year-old daughter, how to ride bike without, like, the wheel, training wheel things, you know, and, and so she's balance is kind of a challenge and the arm strength that it takes and all that, but, you know, I, watching them attempting to do this bike thing, it, it's, it's interesting because you're teaching balance, and you're simultaneously teaching, like, balance with counterbalance, right? When you're pedaling on those pedals. And you go from one to the next, and the faster you go, the easier it is. But to get that into the mind of, like, the child. And, and there's no easy way to train a kid how to ride a bike, right? As you're the parent, like, trying not to stumble or die. Your back is killing, and you're just like, okay, I'm done. But the kid's like, let's keep trying. And you're like, I'm dying. You know, I don't run this much. So it's just that deal. And uh, Dana's like, I think I need to wash the car, and Dad can do the bike. I'm like, no, no, I got the car. You know, so it was kind of fun. And uh, so just watching this happen. And then I started imagining, can you imagine if Dana were to take Jaden out there and just say, no, all you have to do is push on the one pedal. Yeah, just that side, just your right foot, you know, and then just like eat pavement, right? (laughs) Just the right foot, honey. Boom. But yet we do that. Oftentimes in church world, we can become like all Christianese and spiritual, and we think it's really spiritual to say, we just need to pray about it, right? And we just emphasize the one side of balance. It's like, just pray, just pray, just pray, just pray. But don't we need to be mindful? We need to be spiritual and natural, right? We need to, we could be in the faith and normal and, and live life to the full and, and not just be absent from life because now we're just spiritual, pedaling on one leg. Now, you could get a strap and make that happen, but boy, that'd be painful, you know, because you got the up muscle that nobody's used to using that one. But I just look at, uh, you know, how can, how can we become more balanced? It's easier when we're using both sides in tandem, mindfulness and prayerfulness and mindfulness and prayerfulness. We press on the prayer issue, but we leave mindfulness out often. I want to just pump mindfulness into your mind (laughs) so that this week when you're out there, you can keep in mind the mission and purpose God has for you in every day you have this week. The opposite of mindful is not mindless, I don't think. Maybe. Uh, but I really think it's ignoring. I think it's shutting off our mind. It's, it's, it's going to idle, which we'll talk more about next week. But it's to not allow yourself the blessing of meditating on what you can do with the passion that God is depositing into your spirit by the Holy Spirit. If being mindful is one pedal and prayerfulness is the other, then the power of God is that arm that, like, links both the pedals together, right? And we have the chance to to mix it up and be mindful and prayerful so that we're well-balanced to grasp what God has prepared in advance for us to do. 
It's not in your additional scriptures part of your handout, so maybe you want to jot it on the side, but Ephesians 2.10. It's that passage that says God prepares things in advance for us to do. So that's why we need to be mindful and prayerful so that we can fall into His plan. He's already prepared it for us. You can see the prepared if you're mindful and prayerful. Prayerfulness infuses the power and presence of God into a scenario even unbeknownst to the other people in the scenario. I love that. And that's why God needs you, those who follow Jesus, in the scenarios of our world. All of them. Even the messy scenarios. Because when you infuse someone who's prayerful and mindful into a natural circumstance, you become a person of peace in that arena. You become someone who's mindful of the plan of God in that arena. You become a voice of wisdom. You become a voice of prophetic understanding of the future and the now. People love it. You should be the salt of the earth. People should always be reaching out and want you around because you add flavor to this world. Do you sense that in your life? Because of prayerful living, we can be those people who infuse the power and presence of God into our surroundings. You hold the keys to the name of Jesus being glorified in the world. It's a pretty big responsibility. So we need to be mindful. We need to be prayerful. And by His power, number three, we need to be prompted. We must be prompted. With this in mind, We constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of His calling and that by His power He may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by faith. Prompted. When you've been prayerful and mindful, you're in a great position to be prompted because your faith is in constant mental readiness, right? Maybe I should say it takes less on God's part to prompt you if you're being prayerful and mindful. Um, You've heard probably it's hard to steer a parked car, right? Maybe you've tried it. It's not that easy. It's hard to steer a boat that's not in motion. You know, just motion brings ease in prompting, nudging our direction, helping us. Unfortunately, we're amazing at tuning out versus tuning in. But there's good news. God does not give up on your calling. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. God is faithful. This is great news for you and for me. God loves you so much that He sent Jesus, His Son, to take the place of for your sins. God provides a way to engage His calling through faith. As we spoke about last week, we have the promise of eternal life in heaven. Jesus Himself is that promise, that relationship we must grow in. And He's got grace for us. Listen to this, these words of Jesus as He speaks to us. He says in in John 15, I no longer call you servants, Because a servant does not know the master's business, instead I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each 
other. We're a friend, not just a servant of Jesus. He's brought us into all knowledge through the Bible. We can read and have all knowledge of God. There's not some mystery that we're missing. He's made himself known to us. The coolest part about this passage is in line with our calling is that God chooses us. He calls us. It's not us that that have to just call him. I heard a guy talking lately about the whole, maybe you've seen somebody shared with you the gospel at one point in time, and they opened up like a Rubik's Cube or something weird, and they show you like there's this, this divide and two precipices and or like two cliffs and then this precipice and this cross has to fall in between so you can walk across it. And he was saying, you know, that's backwards, right? Because the cross actually was God's attempt and Jesus going to the cross, taking our sins upon him and then dying and raising from the dead. That's God's putting the cross in between so he can come to us openly, not us do the calling or us do the choosing. He's choosing you, and he's just trying to get you to realize it over and over and over. And some of us will eventually go, okay, God, I get it. You're chasing after me, right? Others of us will tune him out real good for a long time. Or maybe we will have known him, but we get pissed at someone in the church, right? And then we leave it, blaming it on God, and we're going, this is not cool, and we walk away, and we find ourselves eventually being pursued because He's consistent, and He comes after us, and He's choosing us. And He'll do whatever is necessary to wake us up, (laughs) right, and get us to pay attention again. I look at that, and I go, man, we're supposed to bear fruit and fruit that will last, and when we start ignoring Him, good or bad, He'll get our attention. I tried to find uh, my fulfillment, purpose, passion, all that, without Jesus and was in that. I was one of those guys. There were things about the church that just were an ew factor to me, and I was just fakey, and, and just, I was just like, I don't want to be a part of that. And so I tried to find fulfillment using my gifts still, but in a, a worldly environment. And I was like, that wasn't going over too well, and I hit rock bottom is what I would say. And that's how God got my attention. He called my, refocused my attention. All of a sudden, I found myself in the Bible again, and I found myself, instead of running from, being aware of and, and, and receptive to what God was challenging me. And I, I think it's just Romans eleven twenty nine coming alive. And some of you need to hear this passage. It says this, God's gifts and His call are irrevocable. You can try to run from them. You can try to hide from the call on your life. But It's irrevocable. It is upon you. You might as well surrender to it because life is miserable when you're trying to avoid it. And it's way more fulfilling when you just open yourself up to being used by Him. And uh, He's a friend. He's not trying to make you a slave with your gifts. He's just trying to bless you through your gifts. Allow yourself to be re-exposed to Scripture and re-exposed to the church and, and prayer God, sometimes we, the humans, get in the way of people experiencing all that Jesus has. And uh, we need to help people get through their negative experiences. Check this out. Listen to the way Peter phrased it as he wrote 2 Peter 1, uh, 2 through 11. This will sound familiar to those who graduated, and I spoke a baccalaureate on this stage for Bionic High School. 
uh, and use this passage. It says this, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through, uh, through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness love. Verse 8, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Now here's the clincher, verse 10. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. If you do these things, you'll never fall you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God has a plan for us. He's mindful of us. We need to be mindful of Him, prayerful. We need to be receptive to this calling. We need to make our calling sure, called by God to be in relationship with Jesus. We need to allow ourselves to be prompted by His Spirit when He has action for us. And finally, number four, we need to be directed. So not just prompted, right? We need to take action. It's one thing to be prompted, but that prompting is to prepare us for what we should go do. Paul continues his instructions to the Thessalonians in, in 2 Thessalonians 3. He says this, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly. And be honored just as it was with you. Pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith, but the Lord is faithful, and He'll strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord and you are doing, and will continue to do the things we command. Verse 5, listen to this carefully. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Mindful, prayerful, prompted, and directed. I don't know about you, but it encourages me to know that there's a higher perspective than mine directing my path. It takes the weight off. It takes the pressure off, doesn't it? That my steps, my purpose are orchestrated by a higher presence than I could humanly follow. Psalm 119 says it this way, as in a prayer ultimately, verse 35, direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. We have opportunity to walk where He leads. Delight is in the path of the directed. Delight is in the path of the directed. It takes the weight off and puts the attention on God. We just need to be focused on God, and we will discover His direction for us, His path. We'll be mindful and ready for His promptings, and our life will be full of adventure. 
adventure, I, I love adventure, and some of you don't have the personality for change or adventure, but I am like all about it, and I'm wired for it. I'm daring. Uh, I, I love risking and, uh, and just trying to sense if it's God's direction. I love walking through open doors. Uh, I always, when I go to restaurants, I say, what should I eat here, you know, and just take their suggestion, hoping they've worked there and tasted the food. And, uh, you know, I'm an adventurous eater. I just, I, I like to live life to the full. And, uh, and, and in perspective, uh, many people go through life not seeking God's perspective, you know, His perspective on on the world, but just trying to fulfill their own and getting God to bless it. What if we reverse that? What if we put our focus on God and find His path in our day and walk on that? He wants His purpose for our life according with His power involved and His faithfulness involved for us to just experience delight. Delight is in the path of directed. Um, open life has been able to walk in some adventurous steps and uh, has had some rich stories over the course of, of our three years. Um, you heard Bruce even share when he did a talk a couple weeks ago about his story and how he was prayerfully coming back into this mindful place of his calling and, and having the opportunity to to visit open life after a neighbor faithfully invited, actually not the first neighbor, but like multiple neighbors had invited them to open life, and they come, and they started to sense that this could be like a fulfillment of their calling, and, and then taking on the youth role, uh, uh, watching. It's fun to watch him be mindful and prayerful and following the promptings and direction of, of really a, a fresh approach at doing this thing called the church. That's a joy. I love, I love hearing stories about how God cranks up our imagination. The past fall, it really was fruit of this past fall. We had a, uh, a staff advance in, in the fall, and we were just praying about multiple things that we could do to, to not only be healthy as a, a church, but to, to infuse uh, some fresh passion into this movement we call Open Life. And he placed various dreams uh, on our hearts. One of those dreams was to, uh, to that open life would, would be able to develop not just a, a local generosity mindset, but we knew uh, clear back from when we launched open life, actually, that, that after the third year or within the third year, we wanted to really crank up our emphasis on global missions. And so we prayed, God, we just pray that this year, in 2013, we would solidify our global mission strategy. Help us to see what you, uh, you know, would do. And we're praying, and we're all passionate. We're praying for a youth pastor. We're praying for children's pastor. We're praying for worship directors. We're praying for this missions opportunity. We're just praying for all these things. We're going, God, help us. <sighs> and we're crying. There was lots of, like, tears and snot. It was awesome. And uh, I love it when you're just passionately praying, and we need more of that, right? And uh, we just knew that God had something for us. And this mission specifically, you know, it says in Acts 1.8 that we will be His witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so there's this moment of to the ends of the earth that we were really aware of. And so... Our dream was to develop not just like to go on a mission trip, but what would it look like if we kept this mindset of partnership? Because we love 
church multiplication. We love partners and strategic partners. And so we're like, what if we could develop a global partnership? And, and uh, so we did that at, in, in October, right? And then December 10th came. Uh, very interesting. Uh, December 10th came, and the Holy Spirit prompted a missionary on the other side of the globe uh, to send me this Facebook message. It said this, Dude, what is the possibility of you coming to Indonesia in 2013? It's like, wow, that's like a big ask. Just like, dude, right? And, uh, and then he goes on, gives a bunch of details. He says, can you come yourself or bring your entire family. Tickets are running around 1,500 on EVA from Seattle to Sarabaya. Maybe if I waited to buy my tickets to like an Asian country right now, they might be discounted. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyway, just shoot. We already have our tickets. But anyway, don't tell my kids what's in the news. So, uh, we continued, uh, he continued in detail telling us about, you know, starting three new churches, pastoring their two campuses that meet in malls in Sarabaya, and, and so it started dialoguing. A uh, little backstory: six years ago, I was pastoring a youth ministry in Auburn, and, uh, and we had an opportunity to emphasize missions, and we would buy technical equipment for missionaries, and, and uh, you know, to help them speed the light. It was called Speed the Light, you know, the light being the gospel. So we were, we were doing a Speed the Light project of buying an SUV for a missionary. We were like, what's a good amount of money? Let's raise $27,000 and buy this one. And it happened to be for John and Corey Taylor in Surabaya, Indonesia. And they were going to be missionaries. They had yet to go. And so they were taken off to be missionaries there. And so they landed and were doing missionary work. And it took us two years, but we raised all the money for that vehicle. And we bought that vehicle. I didn't know that, like, during that second year, I would be raising money to start a church as well. And so I, John Taylor was so shocked that we continued to do his project, raising that $27,000, and that we were raising money for a church plant at the same time. And I just always remember his, like, he was shocked when we finally gave him that final amount of money, and he was like, we can buy our car. And I found out months later, they named the car Thad, which is kind of fun. And, uh, and so this SUV drives around Sarabaya that has a name, Thad. You know, and uh, I remember when, when Amazing Race was in Surabaya, not this past season, but the season before, they sent out a tweet after the, like, lead team got eliminated because our car broke down in Surabaya, and they tweeted, Thad wouldn't have broke down. You know, they should have asked us for a ride. I was like, oh, that's cool. Last week, Thad did break down, by the way, but anyway. Um, so I, uh, I, the tailors that we had purchased a vehicle for, and thus we've been mindful of. We've been praying every night for them for like six years. Our kids pray for them. We Skype back and forth every once in a while. And he makes this audacious ask of our family potentially coming out there. Now, the Huffs can't afford that amount of money to travel, right? So we were like, this is crazy. 
But it's also a crazy coincidence because we were mindful, we had been prayerful, we had been awaiting the prompting of God for a global partner. And so I began to, you know, to go, okay, God, I guess I should be open to this. I remember my reply to him was, wow. You know, because he was like, his ask, his detailed ask was, can you come for a month? I was like, are you kidding me? That's a long time. How could I do that, right? So that's what I thought. I was like, like, just be gone? Well, I knew it was either going to be God or just a bad idea. So I uh, finally had the courage to bring it up to my family at the dinner table. And I've got one really cautious child, the one that stayed inside the house on the 4th of July with the windows closed and the blinds shut and the TV up loud so that trying not to hear the boom that, was, that were shaking our house. Teenagers. Anyway, that they, uh, you know, it wasn't teenagers at all. But uh, uh, just looking at this one, I knew, man, I'm going to discuss this as a family. We're just going to talk about this as a family. And I, I brought it up. I was like, hey, how about going to like Sarabaya for 30 days with the tailors? They invited us. Yeah, <laughs> just be quiet. The one who talks first loses. It's kind of like a sales deal. You know, so I was just like, quiet, quiet. And uh, our kids were like, no way. I saw the picture of them eating scorpions. Not going to happen. Yeah, go. We shouldn't eat it. And then the cautious one with head down said, eating said, you know, we pray for them every night. They do drive a car named Thad. I think we should do it. And then the other ones were like, yeah, maybe we should do it. What would it be like to go to Indonesia? How long is the trip? Oh, it's only like 30 hours or so to get there. You know, I'm just, we're going, how do you do that with four kids? And so we were like, okay, God, we'll just see if you do anything. Put it out there online. Talked to our board, said, is this insane? They're like, maybe this is what we should do. So we put the feeler out there, whether we would be able to do it. And immediately, like, people are, were funding it. And we bought our tickets. And we were like, okay. So August 19th through September 18th. I'll be in Sarabaya, Indonesia, pastoring a church. And then during one week of that, I'll leave Dana and the kids in Sarabaya doing social justice work and stuff while I go start some churches in like Remoteville, Kalantan, East Borneo. So um, we're still raising funds for that, and uh, we're, we're getting close. Tomorrow we get all of our shots because it's six weeks away. And Open Life has the most incredible prep trip for a future global missions partner. I can't wait to hear the story of some of you going to Sarabaya and how God provides for you, and maybe sending guys on trips to start churches. They are starting 100 churches by 2020, 100 churches. And while I'm there, we're working on 27, 28, 29, or 28, 29, 30, depending on where they're at. And uh, so there's lots of Lots of partnership potential. And I'll see it firsthand. Little treat, August 11th, they'll be here. The Taylors will be here with us. And I'm excited for that day to hear what they're doing and just like, I don't know. But that's not all. See, together we can do more when we're partnered. And, and uh, I look here um, in the, in the area of the dreams, and I want to give you two actions to wrap up this talk, and I'm going long because I can't. I actually can't because we… Anyway, but I, I just look at this. And uh, uh, worship team, I won't bring you back up. I'll take your five minutes. 
If we can serve the dream of God and purpose of God on us and be more mindful of what He wants to do in the church, how can we do that? I think it's going to take all of us serving. It's going to take all of us following the promptings and direction of God. We've got dreams beyond mission. And, and this mission's opportunity was a prompting that happened and a direction that happened, but, but this is just one of many opportunities that God has been opening. And, and our goal, you know, we've got goals like for Sundays, you know, by fall, we want to be able to launch out elementary from preschool, but that's going to take more people serving one or two times a month on Sundays. It'll allow us to achieve our, our goal of of serving more accurately the age demographic of our kids, and, and that area keeps growing. We're growing like by 30% from a year ago this time. And, uh, and so we're praying that God would spark and prompt interest in you to serve. Uh, I look at um, the back of your connection card, by the way, is where you would check that box. Give me more info on serve teams. I'd uh, love to get you engaged. But our, we've also got a goal uh, for a number of men and women to, to influence students. You know, we prayed for a youth pastor because student ministry is the most absent thing in this community. I mean, it is a void, and we have an opportunity to make a major impact in the area of students' lives. There's just a need beyond needs. Like the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few in this area. I'm praying that some of you hear that prompting to work with students and to literally just be present in their life. We're not going to put on a like big youth service every week because we don't need to entertain kids. We need to just be interested in their life and see them grow in relationship. If you're interested in, in serving, just check the box on the back of your connection card. Our goal is for an all-in culture at Open Life. Because there's opportunities, not just serving on a Sunday, but serving in our community. I was called this week by the city of Bonnie Lake. It seems like every week there's ridiculous stories, but this week I was called by the city of Bonnie Lake. Seems that the person who used to run their children's tent at Bonnie Lake Days, the big center, it's the red and white tent like right in the middle, uh, the person who used to lead that like moved across the country and didn't empower anybody to lead that tent. And, and so the city of Bonnie Lake said, you know what, I think open life would do a great job with this. We don't even have a children's pastor, right? I'm like, this is a dream world for children's pastor. We've got a school wanting us to buy all their school supplies and begging for our presence on their campus, you know? And I'm just going, and then we've got the city saying, you guys will do great with a kid's tent. And so we were like, let me pray about that, you know? Yes. Anyway, I was just like, and they're like, here's the deal. We'll make you sponsors of Bonnie Lake Days, and it'll be free. The booth will be free. And I'm just like, and will you pay us? No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. But I was just like, this is good. This is too good. This is, you know, and just, I'm just, how can we experience so much favor? I was actually shocked. I was just shocked. I get a call yesterday by the Sumner School District asking if we would co like help write this grant for uh, Liberty Ridge Elementary, they need to turn in by Wednesday, and it, it would give them like a about a hundred to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars annually in this grant for the next five years to provide after school programs that they have down at Daffodil Elementary, and uh, and so they want us to give some sort of input as to how we could be involved at that school after school, and, and I was just going. 
On a Saturday, the school district called while they're off for the summer. I'm just like, you kidding? This is weird. And I'm, God has so many opportunities, and He's prompting people to look to His people to help in the community. And God has given us the opportunity to be in a position to say yes over and over again. Of course I say yes. I'm just like, but there is that moment of fear where I'm like, could I overextend ourselves? Anyway, and then I ignore that voice. But I'm saying there's so much opportunity. So here's, here's what I want you to do in, in action to engaging in all these opportunities. Engage. The application would be on the city. That, which is our online community platform. And when we shoot out an opportunity to serve at Bonnie Lake Days, to do this tent, there has to be like four to six people there at all times. We're going to make it an interactive experience, highlighting charity water where kids can have fun, like seeing what other kids around the world don't have, clean drinking water, and make it like missional. So it's going to be a very fun spot and opportunity. And then, uh, but as well, be ready to sign up for things like once a month read for kid, with kids for 45 minutes at Liberty Ridge Elementary School or however you can involve yourself. Look for needs shooting out on the city because God keeps opening opportunities for us to make a deep impact in our city. Final thought, we all need to be in community. It sucks to sign up for something and just serve because it's like an event. But what if together in community we're reaching our neighbors? Like we're just doing life together and we have a compassion for those around us. And we just involve ourselves in others' lives. I mean, really, that's the heart of groups, right? It's been amazing, this session of groups, doing neighborhood groups and watching neighbors show up to homes. And, 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 but what if there's like a group in every neighborhood in our city? I don't want to freak you out, but I can see that happening in our city. I can see that happening in surrounding cities. You know, I think some people choke on vision when you give them too much at a time. You say, they're going to build 100 churches by 2020 in Sarabaya. We could say, yes, it's on the other side of the world. But if I said, we're going to build 18 by 2020, you may need to wear the pens, right? It's like, you're like, that's a lot. There's only like 80 people sitting here, that, you know. Yeah, and you're the 80 that are going to stir this into action because that's what we're praying for. That's what we're mindful of. God will provide it. It's His direction. We're just the ones walking down the path. And in that path, there's delight. Can I pray for you today? And then, James, you can just come straight up. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you. Make us mindful and prayerful on a continual basis. And God, let us sense your promptings when we're supposed to take advantage. I mean, there's lots of opportunities as a church but I know some of the stories, and I can't wait to share them that are here amongst us of promptings that individuals are walking out mission in their own neighborhood or in their own realm of influence. They're discovering what it is to be missional this summer in their neighborhood or, or at their workplace or on their commute. And I just thank you for that. Direct us, Lord. May we be the ones walking on the path you're directing. And I thank you for the opportunity for us to partner with global missions, for our city to trust us, for our school district to trust us, for us to be an answer to needs that are really tangible. May we be mindful of the potential we have to impact 
the next generation through that. May we be mindful of our opportunity with students in this community and listen to that prompting of giving some of our time to investing in students or signing up to serve a couple weeks, a, a, a month, so that we can even more passionately impact young people's lives here. God, bring us the additional staff that would give themselves wholly to areas of ministry. We know you're just stirring incredible opportunity, and we want to surrender to it. We, we can't wait to see what's next. And we walk through these doors every week with your praise on our lips because you've done so much. Give you thanks in Jesus' name.